Jackson down by the bank. A Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, affiliated with the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This is Corey. Hey, guys. What's up? It's Derek. What's up, y'all? It's JK3. All right, so for the third year in a row, we're honored to have Jamal St. Cyr from WGXT4 News for Jacks, one of our probably most favorite Twitter follows for training camp and the offseason and just Jags in general. So, Jamal, thank you so much again for joining us. Oh, yeah. Appreciate y'all having me on, man. It's been fun. I always love coming on and talking with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. We appreciate that. Well, we'll dive right into it because we know that uh, this is kind of like coming up on the busiest part of your uh, of your job, I'm sure. I mean, training camp and off season is probably pretty busy in itself, but I'm sure regular season gets a little bit more hectic. Um, just from a perspective of covering the team, and I know you've probably been asked this quite a bit, but what have been the kind of biggest differences between the Urban Meyer regime from, you know, the perspective of doing your job versus Doug Peterson now? I mean, is the relationship with the organization better? Is, is there more access? Like, what are kind of the things that you've seen that, uh, that, are, that are the big things uh, difference-wise? Well, you know, it's hard to put a finger on just how much the difference is just from a, a coach and organizational standpoint because last year they were still dealing with some of the COVID protocols, COVID rules. Uh, this year, you know, it's all hands off. The locker room's back open. That wasn't as much on Urban as much it was on the NFL. So that, I mean, that's the big difference this year. Um, you know, it's nice to have a coach that knows the players' names, uh, especially his free agent class. Um, so, you know, that, that's always nice to do. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think it's been good. Doug Peterson is a, uh, he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, you can tell that, that Philly media was rough on him sometimes. And we're like, it's all right. We're good. Um, but you know, it, it, it's been good. I, I can't complain about everything. I mean, even the training camp set up at Episcopal from a media standpoint, it was great, man. Uh, with two fields right there, JK3, you were out there, you saw, I mean, we had a, a better yeah. angle on seeing it there than we ever had over at the, at the stadium, you know, cause we kind of were able to get right up on them and see some stuff as opposed to at the stadium. It was always like, all right, well, we want y'all in the end zone and we're going to go a hundred yards that way. <laughs> so, um, so, so far the media access has been great for us. Uh, Doug's been really good about stuff. You know, the one thing that I can say is real different from last year to this year under Doug, when it comes to media access, like last year, when we were requesting players to talk to like through training camp, quietly urban wanted to approve who some of the guys were that we talked to. Uh, wow. Doug obviously isn't oh, okay. quite as concerned with that as Urban was. <laughs> Man, yeah, JK3 no, you were getting right. a shout out for uh, sideline access over there with all the reporters. That's pretty. <laughs> no, he's 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 right, man. I, I I didn't want to bother anybody because again, you know this this isn't my nine to five. It's their nine to five, so it's tough, you know, saying what's up and then you could miss a play, especially with the you know play by play action that we were getting uh, through the training camp. But no, I think you're right, man. I mean, it was really awesome. Uh, I spent a lot of my time um, over by the defensive line because that's where I was really just seeing some of the competition in, in the trenches. And I think the trenches is really really where you can see a lot of, like, physical, you know, battles before they put the pads on. Like, you know, with their DBs and the wide receivers, like, they, they can only do so much and so much hand-checking and everything else like that. But, like, 
I think I was there that first day at pads and they were, they were, they were getting it, man. I mean, it was insane to see, you know, Trayvon and some of the battles there. It was insane to see Josh Allen, my boy Smoot was doing his thing. It was just, it was just great to see on that first day, how the, how intense they brought it uh, that first day at camp. Yeah. A lot of energy in that group, man. Uh, I wasn't even sure. Like when they first signed Arden Key, I wasn't real sure what to think, but I mean, he's the energy in that D-line group. All them dudes keep shouting him out, and he looks the part, too. So, uh, you know, I think I, I personally I kept asking the question of why is a pass rusher in his age group just getting a one-year deal for that l- little bit of money? Like, I thought the NFL didn't believe in him. And I, now, you know, seeing the guy in person, I, you know, eating the words, dude looks like he's worth every penny and going to be signing a, a, a money deal with somebody next year. So, um, you know, that yeah. was one of the things watching that D-line group. I was like, man, this dude can ball. <laughs> Before we get to the, the defense, I want to kind of really, you know, ask as far as, you know, some of the weapons around Trevor. So everyone's really expecting Trevor Lawrence to make that 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 leap, that second year leap. Um, you know, he's getting, you know, um, J-Rob back. He's getting ETM back um, overall. And, you know, with the wide receiver core right now, it looks completely different. Do we have bona fide weapons or we just got a bunch of average or above average guys? Okay, so that's where it's hard to really to hard to really figure out because the vision for this offense is largely a projection. Like when you think about it, like we're projecting what we believe Trevor can be. We're projecting that Christian Kirk could be a number one wide receiver in this league because he's never gotten over a thousand yards. We're projecting that Zay Jones can be a heavy contributor in an offense because he hasn't done it in his career. Uh, we're projecting that Evan Ingram can be more than, you know, can be a consistent contributor. We're projecting what Travis Etienne can be. I mean, there are very few sure things on that offense. Like, you know what Marvin Jones is, but how many other guys on that offense can you really just say, I know what he is, I know what he's going to bring week in and week out there. I can say that Trevor has more playmakers this year than he had a year ago, hands down. Like, if you start looking at what he had a year ago, especially going into the season, like at tight end, Evan Ingram is a hands-down passing passing down upgrade over what Chris Manhurts was at the beginning of the season. They finally got Dan Arnold. Ingram, much better athlete than him, better receiver. Arnold's a good tight end, but... Ingram's just athleticism's kind of different there. So we say that's an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, just having, having J-Rob back plus ET in the running back position is an upgrade too. So, and then you say, all right, wide receiver. So you go DJ Chark versus Christian Kirk. Give me Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's caught mm-hmm. a lot more passes. He's been consistent throughout his career from there. You got Marvin Jones back, and then you're looking at it, what, Zay Jones versus what you got from LaVishka Chenault slash Treadwell. You know, I'll take Zay right yeah. there. I really like what we saw from Jamal Agnew at the end of last season. He's kind of my guy I think is going to be more involved on the offense than people are giving it credit for. So while I'm mm-hmm. not sure if we got some legit playmakers there, I'll say that they're improved yeah, from yeah. what they were a year ago and by a big margin. Okay. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge Jags fan. And I, I, I obviously, since we host the podcast, you know what I mean? But... Sometimes, you know, I come off sounding like a homer and I don't want to be a homer. I really want to be realistic. And, you know, I I just feel like it's upgraded. And I think we've got some above average guys there. But, you know, maybe they can rattle off, you know, six, seven, eight wins, you know, would be great. But if they can get with the next six, seven and then 
hopefully they can get out and go get, you know, the, the bona fide deep threat. They can go out and get, you know, they look a little bit more competitive in free agency with, you know, and maybe more teams or more players would want to actually come to Jacksonville based off of what they've actually built off the foundation of maybe this year. I don't know, but I mean, I'm, I'll be the first one to say it. 1K Zay. I, I think Zay's going to go over, go over 4,000 this year. Look, I, I think you're right. I think there's a huge upgrade there. The question is just like, the, the question that I've always had is, do they have the guy? And you kind of mentioned even needing to go get the guy next offseason. Like, I think Christian Kirk is going to play a big role. I think he'll be successful. But it, when the double teams start coming, can he beat them? Realistically, nobody has the answer to that because he hasn't had to do it in the NFL. So it's a question. Uh, for me, I think the biggest linchpin on this offense is Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram can be the guy that people thought he was coming into the NFL, all of a sudden that opens stuff up for Christian Kirk where he's not seeing as many double teams. All of a sudden, Zay Jones is able to do what Zay Jones has been doing all at camp. I think Evan is that linchpin on this offense, and they need him to be what he was as a rookie. He needs to catch passes consistently and try and be, and be the playmaker that people thought he was coming out of Ole Miss. If he's that guy in Doug Peterson's offense, all of a sudden everything's clicking and guys are doing all kinds of stuff and looking good. But, you know, the one thing that I, I can say about as far as like going out and getting the guy or being an attractive free agent place, there has been quietly a very concentrated effort throughout this locker room to clean it up. Um, you know, I've been here, I got here in what, the Nick Foles year, so 2019. That was my first year here. And there was some bad attitudes and some bad blood in that locker room. Wasn't a very positive place. Since Trent Baalke's taken over, he's cleaned up a lot of that. I mean, Dave Caldwell kind of did a little bit of work on the way on his way out, but Baalke's cleaned up the rest of it. And they feel like legitimately inside that building, the culture is getting close to where it needs to be. And even amongst the media, going in the locker room this year, it feels like a completely different place with completely different energy, with a lot of those bad eggs just gone is just a whole different vibe of guy in there. So they've been very conscious with bringing in the right type of player, not necessarily just going out and getting any talented player. You know what I mean? Like they could have gone out and gotten a guy who could ball on the field, but they were trying to be very cautious to make sure, all right, let's build the culture first. So then you could do it like a New England does. You know what I mean? They, you feel like the Patriots bringing any dude, he might have had a bad experience in a locker room somewhere else. All of a sudden, he's going to buy into the Patriot way and it's going to work out. The Jaguars right. didn't have that like that system in place before. They didn't have that that structure. So now they kind of had to shed some weight, get rid of some guys that fans were a little upset about having to leave. So that way they could build that culture and get that vibe that they feel like they need in place. So then all of a sudden, maybe a next free agency, they go out and get a guy that had a rough outing at his last team or a rough breakup or whatever because of a vibe situation and say, you know what, we got a culture in place. We got a leader in Trevor Lawrence. This guy going to get in here and he going to fall in line and we going to make it work. You know what I mean? So I think you'll see from that perspective, them be able to be a little bit more aggressive and going out and just saying, all right, this guy can play. He fits our need. We can go get him as opposed to before where it was always had to be, or at least the past few years, it's been a very concerted effort to make sure, okay, I know he can play, but is he the right guy for the locker room? You, you know, when you sit back and think about the, the locker room, man, it is uh, so huge, building a foundation. And then 
when you have uh, young players. You know, the team is extremely young. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Jones, 32, is the old man in the room. Yeah, and that that's amazing. But when you have the young guys, like we, we, we're going to touch here on the in the all, the right tackle position, those two young guys that have been battling it out, uh, Juwan Taylor, you know, the last couple years. And, and I've said some things that football-wise, football-wise, have been like, man, come on now. Second round pick, come on now. But if the coaching staff feels that they've cleaned that up and he could be not only positive on the field, but it seems like maybe the the, the they always talk about, you know, on television, the body language, you know. Um, the body language wasn't there either. And he, he's won the job. So what what do you think about that? Like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, when they said that he was going to start, I'm like, you know, because – Everybody talks during off season and practice and camp and stuff. Oh, he's doing good, but he actually won the job. You know, the thing with Jawan is that he's very solid, especially at what their their system is now. Like they're making some changes now. They're going to some a little bit more zone blocking than what we've seen before, which doesn't necessarily seem like it's gonna play to the strength of his game necessarily. But he's very good at the one thing I can say about Jawan, legitimately. Like, you see him get beat to the outside, it's very rare that you see that dude get, get, let a guy get inside him or put him on his butt. It don't happen. Like, he anchors down and he'll do that. So they put Brandon Sheriff next to him. So now you feel like, all right, you know what? If I got a right tackle who gets beat, let him get beat to the outside. Trevor can step up because we know Sheriff going to anchor down. So I can, at the very least, I'm trusting, all right, he's going to make that guy go the long way around and Trevor's got a pocket to step up into. So that's the one thing. Like, Jawan has had his struggles, but you know what? You go to that old coach talk, the best, avail- or best ability is availability. Dude yep. ain't never missed a game. I don't think he's yeah. missed a snap, you know? True, true. Uh, yeah. So you start talking about, you know, George Warhop. I've heard different things from different guys. Some of his techniques were a little outdated. Wasn't necessarily the greatest uh, offensive line coach from a development standpoint. You can see that with his track record with the Jags. I mean, think about the, some of the offensive linemen that came in during his tenure, and there's very few you could say, oh, you know what? That guy developed and changed his game a lot, and it just didn't happen. So uh, I, I think the new coaching staff can help Juwan's development a little bit, but while I know a lot of people wanted Walker Little to take that job, last year when, they, when he first came into camp as a rookie, he had never played on the right side before and was really struggling with the footwork. The fact that in one year of just practice reps, he was able to at least compete and push Jawan for that right tackle job, a spot that Jawan's been playing the majority of his life, says a lot about Walker as a person, as an athlete, and what he can kind of learn. Um, I think, yes, Jawan should have won this. He understands the position, has played the position a lot more, and he has to think a lot less about playing that right side as opposed to Walker, who's trying to relearn everything from scratch. Um, so I still think Walker can be a good player. I think Jawan is going to fit into what the Jaguars really want to do because, like I said, the one thing you can trust with Jawan, he, he guy's not running through him. If the, he gets beat, he can beat to the outside. We can go check the clips. The sacks he gave up, the guy speed rushed around him and ran through. Well, now he's got a guard right next to him that we know is going to anchor down, so Trevor's just going to step right on up. So yeah. uh, it should be yep. a fit. The offensive line should be – Slightly improved as long as uh, Ben Barch and, and Luke Fortner can hold up. I mean, you look at it this way. I mean, James Robinson's been top 10 and, and here in Duval. We might say top five. 
but he, you know, nationally, he might, you know, top 10 back in the league with one of the worst offensive lines in the last three or four years as a collective unit. So just having some structure, um, because I'm tired of seeing our high draft picks just be gone. It seems like every year around this time, another couple of guys gone. Worse. Yeah. You know, C.J. Henderson, the Visca Chanel. I mean, we're not even going to go back to the others from 2017. They're just all gone. And, Stop mentioning and I'm, I'm sick of it. You know what I mean. Like, it's just, you know, all, all our guys, all our top picks are gone. And it, it, it pains me to see that we can't coach these guys up. And, and, and I blame ownership on that for the most part because you should have, you know, hey, look, you don't have to know a lot about football to be an owner, Mr. Khan, but you do know how, you, you should pay attention to one thing. Are my guys getting better, and are we winning? And if both of those things aren't happening, then you need to make a change. So you I'm know, glad the he one did. thing I will say about Shad is I know he gets a real bad rap, and I, I, he's made some bad hires. I mean, I I can't save him from Urban, but dude has put his money where his mouth is and took some swings. Um, I mean, he for for better or worse, he thought Urban was the dude, and Urban didn't come cheap, nah. So it wasn't like he was trying. He was going. He was shopping at the bargain mark for a coach. He went and took. You know, he took the swing. And Urban sold him on getting a new training facility. And Shad put his money where his mouth is again and said, "You know what, Urban? Let's build it." So I mean, dude, dude's trying. It ain't worked. He ain't been right. But he's there, at the very least. He's saying, "You know what? I'm gonna throw some money at it and see if we can fix it." And then he's bringing guys in and trying to give them time to fix it. But I can I can respect him for you know at least saying, "You know what? Uh, we're gonna throw money at the problem and see if it'll work." You know what I mean? <laughs> let's start let's start hitting for average and less for home runs and see if we can't get a foundation. You know, we, we need to hit we need to hit we need to hit three hundred. You know, hit hit hitting one fifty with a ton of home runs ain't, ain't, ain't working. You know, it's just not working, man. Oh, I, I mean, that's what he thought two. Doug Marone was, you know? I mean, Doug Marone in Buffalo. What did he do in Buffalo? He got a bunch of eight-win seasons. So he, so Shaw was like, you know what? If Duke can win eight games, I'll take that. I mean, that's how he ended up the coach. That was a, all right, you know what? We're just going to go for some solid seasons here. And it, it, it worked one year, and then it, it, it fizzled out pretty quick. But, you know, um, uh, Urban was his home run swing. I think it worked out a little bit better uh, now that he's got Doug in place. It's hard to get a, a Super Bowl winning coach, so we'll see what Doug can do. But like I said, I mean, at least he's throwing money at the problem. He's not like some of them owners. Like, they got teams that complain about their owners being cheap and stuff like that. Like, Shad's just like, look, man, if you, he wants a coach that'll come in, take this, so he don't have to worry about it and can just show up and watch some wins. Like, he's like a fan, except he paying for the whole thing. You know what I mean? I can't say like I said. He can make the yeah. right decisions, but yeah. he at least trying. He just he's just shelling it out. Mm-hmm. Speaking kinda, of, uh, kind of sounds like me are... with my uh, my season tickets. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing we can talk about in another episode is the season ticket appreciation day thing they had last night. Because I don't know if you've heard oh, about that, Jamal. Oh, wait, 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 the, uh, wait, wait, wait. That was brutal. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it, I don't know if, if, if people saw this on Twitter. And I'm Corey, you get all the respect for this. I laughed out loud when I read your tweet this morning about how the season ticket package was a timeshare gift that you got for going to a timeshare meeting. <laughs> like that was one of the funniest things I've ever I've ever read. I was like, wow. I like I laughed out loud. People looking at me. I'm sitting there like, you just you just have to yeah, never mind. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah. But anyway, shout shout out to Corey for laugh of the day. 
as soon yeah, as I walked is- into the uh, into the gate last night, I was like, they got me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jamal, for the season ticket holders, for each account, not seat, and they, I'm not trying to be like overly critical, but they promised us a special gift at this event, right? And so yeah. we show up, and there's a giant line, and the special gift is a clear Jaguars bag with like a koozie and an extra like Teal Deals booklet or something in it. And yeah, so, I yeah. saw it online, and it makes it worse when like all these other fan bases were showing like their season ticket holder stuff online, and I kept wondering. I was like, I wonder what the Jags are gonna do. And then I, I saw people posting the pictures of that, and I was like, ooh, that's bad. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. bad. That ain't, ain't, ain't good. And then what um, Fox Sports or somebody put out all the beer prices around the league, and the Jaguars are up there near the top. And it's like, huh. is this how y'all going to do, folks? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, and the Anheuser-Busch factory is right down the street. Like, it's made here. <laughs> I don't know, man. It don't make no sense to me. <laughs> JK3, remember when we were there and they and we were talking about like the food and stuff and I was like, yeah, yeah, they have some food out there. Is it like free or whatever? Everything was regular price <laughs> at the event. This supposed to be a season ticket holder like appreciation thing. Everything's regular price. The the you know it just felt really haphazard. And I actually emailed my ticket rep amongst other 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 Jaguars fans that did so as well. And apparently they're going to mail out some extra things to like make amends. So they definitely recognized that it was a little. Uh, a little uh, multi-level marketing scamish. Uh, they're they're going to send but, you some more uh, teal deals. Yeah, some more. yeah I know. <laughs> they yeah. should. I mean, at the very least, they, they, they can cut the price on the beer. I mean, as bad as they've been, you need a drink to watch some of these games over the past few years. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, two references that Derek mentioned that are good transition points. One from my wrestling fans out there talking about uh, cons and ownership, AEW, All Elite Wrestling. I don't know if anybody's watching that, but Tony Khan... Man, that's that's a little brutal right now. But James Robinson, you mentioned in the, in the fact about availability, uh, Jamal. What about uh, predictions as far as you know how they they work with uh, J Rob on Sunday? You know, are they going to be cautious or you know how many plays do you think that that he'll be out there for? So that's tough. Um, I've heard that the behind closed doors they didn't think that J Rob was fully in shape, which would make sense for a guy that's been rehabbing from an Achilles who hasn't been able to fully work out for months on it until the past few months, and he's been slowly coming back. That's what I've heard behind closed doors. J-Rob is saying he's full tilt, ready to go. Doug today said he thinks J-Rob's full tilt, ready to go, and there's no limitations. So exactly what to expect on Sunday, to be honest, I don't know, because I don't know which direction they're going to go. What I have been told is that when J-Rob is healthy, if he's the J-Rob that we all grew to love, he's the guy. And Travis Etienne becomes your compliment, satellite split out kind of back, but the running game goes and flows with J-Rob. So if he's ready to go, I mean, I'd expect a a full workload. If they're legitimate with this, you know, we're going to put him out there as long as he looks good and can keep going, they're going to keep feeding him kind of deal. I mean, I don't think there's going to be very many limitations except for his, you know, success on the field. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, I mean, I think it's good. I, I think if we if we can continue to run through, him, uh, you know, through J-Rob. But I also want J-Rob to have another good season because I don't want him to leave. 
I don't want him to have like a mediocre season. They test the free agent market and somebody, you know, picks him up because he had one bad year. And next thing you know, it's like Fournette all over again, where he's still, you know, a, a serviceable back. I don't want him to be a serviceable back anywhere else but here. Like, I want my jersey to last more than, you know, three years. You know what I mean? Like, that could be just selfish on me as a Jags fan. But, you know, the biggest problem is them being able to, you know, uh, keep the talent here and cultivate it and like, you know, have a face around the league. And, you know, right now the face of the team is Trevor, you know, only because of, you know, who he is and how polarizing he is. But there has to be some other identity, you know, there with him as well. Um, I think ETN is getting a lot of that because he has been able to show what he was able to do, uh, you know, and, and a little some of the games, too. But I, I think J-Rob, man, he's got to stay um, switching over to the other side of the ball with the decision made starting Devin Lloyd over Chad Muma when Muma played pretty well in the in the in the um in the preseason you know what do you think was a factor in that was it just solely because you know Lloyd is the second number one pick and we kind of have to play him or do you think just Muma you know didn't really put too much on tape uh to where he earned that uh that spot beside uh so they are in love with what they've seen from Chad Muma absolutely love the dude uh, they also like what they're expecting to get from Devin Lloyd and what they've seen in bits and pieces throughout the offseason. So yeah, I don't think it's any fault of Chad Muma's. He was in consideration. Um, I mean, he was playing from behind to start with. And the fact that Doug Peterson, when I asked him earlier this week, said enough to say, you know what, I do have to take a pause and we're going to have to talk about this because Chad's played well enough that he's earned a role and earn some playing time, and so we'll, we'll talk about it and let you know later in the week. Um, I think that says a lot about where Chad is as a player. Um, both of those guys are going to be good. Both of them should play. Um, Devin's a little bit of a different kind of athlete, and even if you go and watch that Falcons game, you can just see just the way he flows out there. It's, he's, he should be a good sure. player. And the flexibility of his game is going to really open up the Jaguars to do some different things. So it wouldn't surprise me if you get a situation where you see a Luakin, Muma, and Lloyd all on the field for at least a few plays in a package. It wouldn't surprise me one bit because you say a Luakin's your, your green dot. He's the captain of your defense. He's going to get everybody lined up. Muma can fill that inside backer role and is a guy that can drop into coverage that they feel good about dropping into coverage. Lloyd's a guy who can drop into coverage they feel good about dropping into coverage, but they can also line up Lloyd on the edge and say, okay, well, you know what? We're going to let you get after the quarterback if we move Trayvon down to hand in the dirt or we move Josh down to hand in the dirt. If they get in passing situations, I mean, you think about like Lloyd missed the majority of training camp. I went up there to Atlanta and on that, those couple of days of practice, he was lining up on the edge, getting after the quarterback just as much as they had him lining up at inside backer. So they got a plan for this dude to, sure. to, to, to rotate around. It'll be interesting to see how they use those pass rush pieces. So, again, that's why I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if you get a, at least some package that's in there where all three of those guys are on the field. Um, the Muma pick was definitely looked like a luxury when they took it, but now it looks like they're at least set at that position for your I mean they if they play the cards right, they should be, they shouldn't need an inside linebacker for the next like decade. I mean, sure. think about it. You got two young guys and you got a Luakin who should be who's not exactly long in the tooth. 
and right. should be a player that that's that's ascending. If Lloyd's the guy that people think he is, if Muma's the guy that the coaching staff thinks he is, I mean, you got a good problem on your hands at this point. Gotcha. So with um, you know, so you were you were talking and it just came up to me too. So you're talking about you know uh, how athletic Lloyd is. We kind of had that same athleticism, or not, if not better athleticism in Miles Jack. Like when Miles Jack was drafted, everyone just loved how athletic he was. But with his athleticism, kind of led to him, you know, pretty much not, you know, kind of overrunning plays, you know, maybe not relying on knowing where the play was and, you know, relying on his athleticism to, you know, close that gap. Do you see any difference here with Lloyd? Or is it just one of those things where he's just a total package as far as, you know, he may have those rookie mistakes, but is he going to overrun and, you know, hope for his athleticism to get him back where he needs to be? Or is this going to be a person where he is athletic, he's where he needs to be, and it's just executing on, on the play at that time? Oh, there's going to be rookie mistakes. I mean, think about the Atlanta game. There was one run while he was in there where he read it, was in the gap, and tried to hit the guy without wrapping up and just bounce, gets, you know, bounces off and the run keeps going. Uh, that's a rookie mistake, but the athleticism got him there to make the play. And you, you'd like to think that the next time he gets there, he's going to say, all right, I've done this before. And this is the NFL. I better wrap this dude up or I'm going to get laid out. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how he handles some of those adjustments. The one thing like your comparison to Miles Jack, I can say is like Miles was his best when he was playing next to a smart mic. That's why they Mm -hmm. tried to bring in Joe Schobert. Like Miles is like true, like, ascending seasons he had Puzz Luzny next to him like because yeah. he was just able to free and and flow with the game and he had a mic that was there to kind of help get him lined up Aluakin kind of provides a little bit of that for Devin but Devin's also a really smart player uh has played in that mic spot before and is going to be a guy who who's going to kind of uh, learn and adjust and he also has a defensive coordinator who's played the position before so I don't think you're going to see him overrunning very many plays. I don't. I, you're going to see some rookie mistakes, obviously, but his athleticism is going to show up in in places like coverage. I mean, even Rayshon Jenkins pointed out one time. I mean, during OTAs, where I don't remember who the quarterback was, but they thought they were throwing it deep to whoever his guy was, and all of a sudden, Devin Lloyd just jumps up and gets a hand on it, and next thing you know, it's a tip drill pick because yeah. uh, on a play that. They didn't expect the linebacker to be able to get to, but dude's just an, I mean, he's a flat out athlete. And that's the one thing like that the, these veteran defensive guys said about Lloyd and Walker is, I mean, these two dudes are different kind of athletes that sometimes there's a play that you don't think they're going to be able to make. And next thing you know, that pass is tipped or here they come, you know, 400 miles an hour or tracking down a guy down the field. Um, so with athleticism, are there going to be mistakes? Sure. But Lloyd's a really smart player who I don't anticipate very many growing pains. Um, and they're gonna, I think they're going to do a good job in putting him in there and not putting too much on his plate all at once. Uh, like, Miles really struggled when he got that green dot and was projected to be that Mike and needed to line everybody up. Lloyd, at the very least, maybe one day he gets there, but right now he doesn't have to worry about that. He's got Foyer next to him and he, he basically said that Foyer is like the manager of the defense, so he's going to make sure everybody get right. And you talk about the young guys. Um, you know, one that's in the back, Cisco, you know, coming in second uh, second year. Um, everything's kind of healed up, ready to go. Uh, there's, you know, in, in the league now, there's no such thing. The free and strong is listed as positions, but really – 
it's so interchangeable now based off of how the offense lines up. And me personally, I'm just happy that I swear if I see Wingard out there, I, I swear if I see Wingard out there, <laughs> I'm going to say it again, I swear if I see Wingard out there, man, man, I've never seen someone, and, and I got to, uh, I've never seen someone get looked off so bad. He used to get looked off so court like they must have had a meeting before the game. Oh, you're playing the Jags? Hey, look, they got a guy back there. You're gonna see the hair, right? You'll see the hair. Just <laughs> look one way, and you're gonna see the hair go one way, and then you just go the other way, and that is game over. Like I, just, wow, I'm at home. I'm not a professional football player. I'm not a no, but I'm at home and I see this. So imagine the people uh, people that are professionals. They've played this game for years. See this. They got to be like, oh, so I'm, you know, back back to the point. Cisco is in, man. I love it. I love the fact that he he's, he got the, you know, starting nod, obviously. And um, just looking at him and Rayshon, I'm hoping to see better production out of that. And what I mean by better production, you just said tip drills, tips, picks, corners tipping the ball, them picking it off, something, anything. Any kind of turnover. What do you think? Hey, look, uh, Cisco's the one DB that before every training camp practice got some time on the jug machine. So he's planning to get his hands on some passes. Um, when we asked him at during camp, he said, you know, I don't have a number in mind, but I know how many interceptions I need to make the Pro Bowl. So you could tell where his head's kind of at. Um, he got that five now, too. So you got that single-digit number as a safety. You better go out there and ball Cisco Cinco. Um, but you know what? This defense is expecting to get a lot of turnovers. Uh, Shaquille Griffin said today in practice, they got four interceptions off the scout or four turnovers off the scout team. So they're expecting to be aggressive, um, and get more turnovers than they did a year ago. Cisco should be a big part of that. Um, think about this. They made everybody else come in here and earn a job. One of the first things this coaching staff did was come in this off season and say, Andre Cisco a starter. So they saw what you saw. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, dude, dude hadn't started in the NFL, unproven guy, and there was no question from OTAs, minicamp, as soon as Doug Peterson and Mike Caldwell was in place, they was like, yeah, Andre Sisko's a starter. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was yeah. never a question. So, that, I mean, they saw what you saw. I mean, quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, just the, the look up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I try not to, you know, these guys are professionals. They're out here doing something that a lot of people would love to do for their, their day-to-day job. And um, you take your hats off to them for for the work ethic and the grind they put in. But sometimes you run across a couple of them that you just sit there and you're like, what in the... What in the... <laughs> like, and he's, he's one of them. Okay, he's one of them. So anyway. Um, but no, I'm glad that, that Cisco got the nod and... And I'm excited to see what this secondary is going to do, um, especially if we're able to get after the pass. If we're able to get after the passer, if we can get after the quarterback like we hope we can, um, that that's going to be – you're going to see them flying around because it's going to be easy pickings because they're going to speed everything up. And that's the name of the game is to speed everything up uh, for yeah, those that, defensive line. That pass rush should be better. I mean, like I said earlier, I like Arden Key. Uh, I wasn't real sure coming in. Um, but the role they have in mind for him, he looks perfect for it. They're going to put Smoot and him on the inside on passing downs and let Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker handle the outside a lot. 
And, you know, we, you, you've seen Snoop for years. I mean, he's a guy that's going to get you easy six sacks and get you some penetration and pass rush. And now on that inside, he's going to, I mean, inside almost full time. It's going to be a little bit different. He can use that quickness. Uh, but it should give the Jaguars a pretty consistent pass rush. The biggest question marks is, A, can Josh stay healthy? And B, exactly what are you going to get from Trayvon? But if if everything stays where it's at, where Josh is healthy and he's the Josh that people expect him to be and Trayvon stays progressing at the rate that he has been or can we can expect what we've seen from him during the limited action in preseason, this pass rush should be good. I mean, if Smoot gets you six, if if Key gets you six or seven, if Josh is in the double digits and Trayvon's pushing the double digits, plus whatever you get from blitzes, because they're going to send them safeties. Yeah, they're they going to send them safeties. So you figure you get from the safety position four or five more sacks. They're going to send a Lewikin and some of the linebackers blitzing guys. I mean, you'll be fine if you can, if you can get those totals. And then if you get anything more, if, if Trayvon gets, sniffs the double digits, that's icing on the cake, man. So, Jamal, does that mean the uh, second coming of the uh, Saxonville moniker uh, will be coming back this year? So, when I talked to Josh over the offseason, he told me that he said the Saxonville defense was them. This is a whole different defense, so they need their own name. Um, hmm. they, they don't have one yet. Um, we kind of asked about it. They said that, you know, they're they not pressed on it until they get a couple of games under their belt and prove they need one. But they want something different than the Saxonville because they said that was his own beast. And they don't want to, you know, take nothing away from them or, or try and, you know, be those guys because they was their own, you know, thing. So everybody's going to have to start shopping a nickname for them, so, something out there. I don't know. We got to come up with something better because Saxonville is good. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, for Sunday, and I will give a shout out to JK3 since he's going to be our at the stadium correspondent for Down by the Bank since he's attending like a true hardcore fan. Um, do you have any predictions, Jamal, as far as score or just, you know, kind of how you see that game playing out against the Commanders? I have the Jags winning this one. I have them starting to want to know. Um, for me, this is like the most important game of the year almost. I mean, obviously it's week one, but. With a young team, a win here, all of a sudden the confidence is there. Guys feeling themselves. They're like, oh, you know what? Doug actually knows what's going on. And, and the rest of the season flows a little differently than if you start with that loss, especially with this roster, especially after what they went through a year ago. I mean, Doug Peterson's talked about wanting to heal from what they went through like four or five times. Well, they got to heal from all the losses too. I mean, these guys all come from like power universities and – I mean, last year, guys were talking about, you know, losing more games than they've ever lost in their life, you know, in the NFL. A win in week one and starting one and oh, all of a sudden they feeling good and they feel like they can win games. Um, Arden Key said today they want to hold them to 60 yards rushing. He said he's not worried about sack numbers this week. He said 60 yards. That's our goal. He said sacks will come, but we got to stop the run game. Um, They gave Carson Wentz the pits last week. I say, you know. Maybe two, or not last week, last year. So give me two picks. I'll say Trevor gets a touchdown pass to Evan Ingram. And Jags win 30-17. That's where I'll go. I'll go with that. Don't get me fired up. 30-17. Hey, I think they're going to win this one. I'm, I'm not that high on the commanders. I think this Jaguars team has a lot of talent. 
and it helps that when you're week one, that you can prepare for you for a little bit of extra time, and the commanders have no idea what the Jags want to do on offense or defense. I am a huge believer in that first-year head coach surprise. I mean, that you nobody knows what Mike Caldwell is going to call. I, I, the players don't hardly know. Hell, Mike don't know because Mike's <laughs> never done it. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, you could go back and look at Doug Peterson's history, sure. Like, you could get an idea of what he wants to do on offense. Evan Ingram's probably going to be involved. Why? Because Doug Peterson likes tight ends. But on that defensive side of the ball, nobody knows. Like, oh, does he like Todd Bowles stuff? Sure. But he also had played, you know, worked with other defensive coordinators. We don't know what he's going to call. So it, that, that element of surprise kind of is going to play in their favor a little bit, and it should help the offense, too, in that same vein um, because nobody knows how they're going to use these pieces, what they're going to do with Trevor, what Trevor's going to be able to do with a year of coaching under a coach or a, a few months of coaching with an actual NFL coach. Um, you know, so it – I say this surprise is a kind of surprise game. Um, they'll be able to jump out and then kind of get feeling good and then go from there. That's what I got. Cool. Well, we're mostly concerned for JK3 safety being that that stadium's known to have leaks and the the stands could collapse under him. And uh, so and remember, and remember it, it's not just regular water leaks, JK3. Remember, it's some special leaks. Hey, so well, if you I see mean, some pipes over you, I'm like, sitting, I'm sitting, I'm sitting <laughs> six rows up from the field, fifty yard line. So there's no pipes or anything else <laughs> like that, you know, uh, above me or anything. We just need to worry about, you know, the over under how many beers will be consumed, uh, you know, before we get into the stadium. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know you'd turn that into a flex, by the way. Six rows up, 50-yard line. Hey, bro, when when you're there, hey, hey, man, don't don't get mad at me. Get your paper up. Get your seat Get your your paper up, bro. Don't get mad at me. Gotcha. Good stuff. Um, Well, Jamal, we really appreciate it. I mean, honestly, uh, you coming on for three years in a row is really awesome, and and we sincerely think that that you're – uh, Twitter content especially and all you do to cover the team is just great and gives us a really good perspective that we wouldn't normally get. So we, we certainly appreciate you taking the time. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, and just be sure to give them a – I mean, this is like, you know, dumb that we're even recommending this. I'm if they don't know, now this. they know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't already follow him on Twitter, I can't imagine if you're listening to this, you're not. But he's at – J-S-T-C-Y-R-T-V, and we'll put that in the podcast description as well. Um, Jamal, thank you so much from WJXT4 and News for Jacks. And if you guys are on Spotify, be sure to leave us a rating review, Apple Podcasts as well, um, and we're on Google Podcasts. Um, so we're on all the major podcast platforms, and we're, again, affiliated with the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.